Today on CityCast Denver, Bree's finally back from her vacation to the Western Slope, a.k.a. Lauren Boebert country, so we're digging into the results of Tuesday's primaries with Westward editor Patty Calhoun. And as usual, when we talk politics, we use some explicit language in this one. Consider yourself warned. But then we did get around to celebrating the Avs' Stanley Cup win a little bit more. It was a good day in Denver. Oh, and a programming note. We're taking a long weekend for 4th of July, so this one will have to hold you over until Tuesday morning. Today is Friday, July 1st, 2022. I'm Paul Caroli, and this is CityCast Denver. Build 50 story buildings all over town. I wouldn't be too worried about it. No, I'm worried about that. I'm worried about Cronkyville. Let's get get into it. This thing is finally rolling and ready. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about Hockey Town, USA. (laughs) I'm feeling it coming in this morning. Oh my God. The The traffic made you feel it? (laughs) <laughs> yes. The number of people in jerseys on the sidewalk. I did love it. I did. Come Happy on. families. Yes, Everyone looked a lot really of kids. good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's incredible out there. The energy. It's electric. It's- I know. I want to give a shout out to my friend and former roommate, Sean Rundle, biggest hockey fan I know. When my husband called him last night and said, hey, Sean, you want to go down the, to the parade at 10 tomorrow? He said, oh, no, I'm getting down there at 5 a.m. <laughs> I'm staking out my spot to celebrate. And like, I just... I love this. This is really, Denver needed this so bad. When was the last time it felt this good to be in Denver? I I don't know. I don't remember. Maybe the last big championship sporting thing. You know, the All-Star game last summer was pretty good. Yeah. For activation. Yes. It would be nice if when there was a great theater production, everyone remembered to <laughs> go out and celebrate said, too. We don't do that. Right. Now. You're going to find me outside Moulin Rouge next week burning a be couch. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Moulin Rouge, wearing your Moulin Rouge jersey. I was just glad we didn't have to pull our newspaper racks this time because we did in the first abs win when they were burning newspapers. Interesting. All right. Well, I I mean, I kind of want to get out there today. So we we had planned to talk about the primaries. I think we should do it quick and then get out and talk to some people and feel this a little bit. I do. I want to feel the energy. But we haven't talked about the primaries all week. Also, I haven't introduced you two. Bree is here. Hi. Listeners, you know Bree. Bree's the host of the show. Also, Patty Calhoun is here, editor of Westward. She's back, finally. Patty, welcome. In the office very close to the Avs parade and rally spot. Yes, indeed. We are in the epicenter. Um, And we're back in the Lindy Zimmer studio at Westward. It's Friday. We're chatting about the news of the week. Two stories. We've been talking about the Avs. That's one. The other one, primaries on Tuesday. Democrats and Republicans and unaffiliateds like me voted and now we know a little bit more about how Coloradans feel about the people that hold I these offices. I didn't know our unaffiliated voters were as many as our Democratic voters. They're more. They're more. I mean, unaffiliated I mean, is larger than the parties. Way larger than the Republicans. Right. So in, it's about in Denver proper. Oh, in Denver proper, but across the state. So unaffiliated, I think, are forty-four over forty-four percent, and it's great that they can now vote in in a yes. primary, not both, but one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, people talk about like, is Colorado blue? Is it purple? Is it red? Let's start calling it unaffiliated. <laughs> yeah, we're unaffiliated. We're, we're the, uh, that's, I think, how most people want to see it themselves. That's what it is. You know, in Denver, I talked about the low turnout for the primaries. Is that normal, Patty? 
it was not normal in the sense that we had our expectations built up. And that's really one of the things I'm interested in. We talked so much about the crackpot candidates on the right that I thought they would do better than they did. Uh, On one level, that's disappointing because we can't talk about them as much. But on the other hand, you also saw Coloradans were much more reasonable. The goal of having unaffiliateds be able to vote was to get more moderate candidates. Mm -hmm. And it worked this time. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So that you had the Republican moderates win. Moderates, Despite the Democratic Party's best efforts. I was just watching this Nine News report this morning. Five million? Five million dollars. And it went nowhere. This Democratic group spent on ads, I guess, trying to get more people to vote for Ron Hanks. Right. It was so interesting. Too conservative for Colorado was the the concept in those dark money ads. And the whole thing was that suddenly that would get more Coloradans out who were Mm -hmm. conservative to vote for him, which would make him the candidate. But it wasn't going to happen. Bad strategy. Honestly, a waste of money. I mean, we've had a bit of a week covering politics, but like the way that people interpret political messaging is so different. It's so like wildly divergent based on everyone's own individual baggage. Like to That's be able a to, lot like, to bank on, make a move, spend five and a half million dollars on this kind of like reverse psychology ploy. I don't understand how Can that's supposed to work. they just paid some Democratic interns more money or something? I don't know. Put, put that money towards some better use. Well, you'd love to know what kind of research they did that showed that would work. That's a good point. Yeah. Probably did yeah. some polling. All right. So we're talking about the the results of the primaries already. I kind of want to just like run down some winners and just like talk about big themes here. So on the show, we talked last week with Ian Silveri, Democratic insider, operative guy. Also, just cool guy, fun to talk to. About these three races on the GOP side, we talked about the governor's primary. And on the Republican side, it was Heidi Ganahl versus Greg Lopez. People were painting Lopez as the more extreme candidate, even though they had very similar views. And Ganahl ended up winning. 54% of the vote. Similar story in the Senate primary on the GOP side. Joe O'Day, who was seen as the more moderate, beat Ron Hanks, who we've been talking about in the Secretary of State race, which was the Tina Peters race. She lost to... Jefferson County Clerk Pam Anderson. There was another candidate there that maybe split the big lie vote with Peters, I think. O'Donnell. O'Donnell. And he was an okay candidate, but Pam Anderson really walked away with that. And I was pleasantly surprised because she's competent. Yeah. We have had such a good run of Secretary of State people, Republicans generally, like Mm -hmm. from Natalie Meyer to Donetta Davidson. Wayne Williams. Yeah. They've all done a really good job and Mm -hmm. she wouldn't be bad. Yeah. That's what I was thinking when I was looking at the ballot and reading up mm-hmm. on her. I mean, and also compared to Tina Peters, seriously, good riddance. Like, again, but enjoy the litigation. it'd be fun to talk to the cop yeah, kicker talk. getting investigated. Anytime you can talk about Mike Lindell <laughs> in your political <laughs> sphere, it's exciting. Yeah, good for us, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, bad for politics in um, general. You know, I realized something. We talked a lot about the big lie last week. I, I was chatting with a friend um, about our conversation. He said, he asked me, what is the big lie? So I think we maybe need to clarify that and then say a little bit about what this primary result means for how Coloradans felt about the big lie. The big lie is that Donald Trump won the 2020 election, which he didn't. That's what the whole, the January 6th hearings are about. All of these, like the coup attempt, all of the talk about that. That's the big lie. That's what that refers to. The Dominion voting systems. So when someone like Tina Peters says, you know, she's she's all about that and also wants to run our elections, you have to (laughs) question her and- a vote against so her. glad Many she didn't do. make it. 
Um, but Patty, Patty, what do you think about the big lie things and what, what this primary shows us? Well, it does show us that in Colorado, people are not buying the big lie. And, mm-hmm. and we already knew that most Coloradans didn't, but a much smaller percentage probably. Because you had Hanks, you had um, Greg Lopez, you had Tina Peters, who clearly believe in the big lie, and they just didn't make a big dent, even in the Republican Party. So that was, that was good. I mean, Heidi Ganahl is going to have to clean up and clear up what she really thinks about the big lie because she hasn't been, been, she's been very vague. She also has the interesting baggage of being a CU regent where John Eastman, who came up with the whole way that Trump could take back the presidency he really won Mm -hmm. by um, having Mike Pence uh, take action. I mean, she's gonna have to account for that too. So we're gonna have some more fun still. Mm -hmm. But there's no question, there was no problem with Colorado's election. And with all the investigations around the country, there were no more problems with the last election than any other election. In fact, it was probably clearer. Mm-hmm. Bree, we talked to Ian about this last week, but um, you know, these Republicans that just won these primaries, these competitive primaries, they got a long road ahead of them before the the general and some pretty strong candidates that are incumbents on the Democratic side. You know, Michael Bennett's been sitting on his Senate seat. He's been pretty popular. Same story with Polis. Our governor, pretty popular. Do you think any of these Republicans have a chance in November? I don't know. I mean, again, thinking about us being this unaffiliated state, I think it will be determined, I think, like Patty's saying, how they run their campaigns, what we learn, what we actually learn about them may tell us a little bit more. But at this point, I don't see why our Democrats wouldn't stay strong and I think we talked about Polis's favorability last week with Ian and his policies are more favorable than he is as a person mm-hmm. polling wise, but he's not super unpopular. Yeah. I think you're right though. That the campaigns are key because Coloradans listen, we yeah. want to talk this stuff out. Yeah. But they're going to want to learn more about Heidi Ganahl because even though she's right. a statewide, she's in a statewide office, it's CU Regent, and a lot of people don't know anything about that. And certainly, O'Day, we're going to want to learn a lot more about him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, should we talk about Bobert? Congressional District 3, Lauren Bobert, another I just want to talk liar. about Bobert really quick because I had a real revelation as a city-living liberal. Uh-huh. I was gone over the last week because I was um, in Ridgeway for a family wedding, and it's Bobert country yeah. there. And I say that as signs everywhere that say Bobert country. And hers were the only political signs that had an image on them of her. Her image is very strong. Mm-hmm. And then the turnout against Don Corum, he's not an unknown quantity. I mean, he's he's got name recognition. She pummeled him in the primaries. And that said to me, mm, us city folk don't have a fucking clue. Mm-hmm. We don't get it. And I personally, generally, my take on Bobert is I'm embarrassed that she's from Colorado. There's a lot of folks that are not embarrassed. They're very proud of her. And she's powerful. Yeah. And we saw that in a primary. Yeah. So. I think people like that she stands up for for their interests, for, for their beliefs. And, and on a national stage, she knows how to get attention. Absolutely. And then some. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Speaking of a rural, I, mean, I just drove through Wyoming and I thought I should put a Liz Cheney bumper sticker on and that's like, uh, that's all you need a Colorado car with a Liz Cheney bumper <laughs> sticker. But the number of anti-Liz Cheney signs, oh, fascinating. Really? Yeah. And they were not from Democrats. You can be pretty sure of that. Hmm. Interesting. I only saw a few anti-Biden uh, signs in uh, in Mesa County, but not anything else directed at Democrats. It was all, it was mostly Boebert. A couple of Tina Peters signs too, but Bover overwhelmingly is she's a figurehead. And it's interesting who won Adam Frisch in that and to run at the Democrat and the C D three, because I'm not sure he's gonna be the strongest candidate. I mean, mm-hmm. Saul Sandoval, she was really interesting out of Pueblo, would have been a fun candidate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think Bobert's probably going to cruise to another term uh, in November. She seems like she's got a ton of support. She crushed Don Corum. Um, but now let's talk about the Democrats. Let's talk about this one race. We had both candidates for House District 6 on the show a week ago. That was Elizabeth Epps and Katie March, back-to-back interviews. That race turned out to be even more interesting than we thought. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars flowed into that one. It got really, really nasty. And then it came down to the wire. I mean, it was first within 300 votes and then they did another, they counted more and it was within 34 votes. And I just saw like an hour ago, I think they called it for Elizabeth Epps. Yeah. That's the latest. Patty, what did you make of this race? What was depressing about it was, but there were two interesting candidates, both of whom would be good in the legislature. And you had dark money coming in and you had some disinformation campaigns that the candidates were not controlling. Mm-hmm. And it's depressing when you see it at the state level in a, in a state house race to see people behaving that way. And and it just became ugly. Yeah. But I, I agree with the first thing you said, I think, more than anything. That, this is my takeaway from the our experience with those two interviews is both super impressive people. And as, as our past guest, Ian Silveri, said last week, both would probably vote the same 95% of the time in the state house, but it's they have such different approaches. So the people of House District 6, you know, came down to the wire, but they chose they chose the more uh, attention-grabbing, you know, start conversations, Elizabeth Epps. It's a great case for voting in your primary. If yeah. it comes down to a couple dozen votes, you could have been that difference. So if yeah. you didn't vote, um, definitely something to think about. If yeah. you had, you know, not a lot of us had that option for a really contentious primary where it felt like our vote would make a difference. But this was clearly a place where it made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, there's one more thing we do need to talk about with this race. And that's after these two interviews that I mentioned ran last week, we got some feedback from some listeners and we want to address part of how we handled those interviews. Yeah. And I think this is in an effort to be transparent. Um, We're a daily news show. And I think, Paul, you and I have discussed this before. Before this job, neither of us had done daily news. So mm-hmm. we've learned a lot. And unfortunately, we have to learn in public. And we, I think we learned a lot of things, but one of them is how we run interviews when we run them. So we yeah. were really down to the wire in terms of getting these interviews out before people could vote. That was our mm-hmm. whole point. And um, scheduling-wise, it made it kind of funky. And unfortunately, we ran an interview that allowed one candidate to hear and respond to the to their opposites allegations and we didn't have that space for the other candidates yeah yeah i completely agree that i i don't think we're going to make that mistake again yeah it's a learning lesson and we are glad that folks are listening and Mm -hmm. we appreciate your feedback sorry about the error we're going to try our best next time yep thanks for listening 
Let's go to a quick break and then get out and enjoy the friggin' parade. <laughs> yeah. The Stanley Cup is like less than a mile it's from where we sit It's literally out our right doorstep now. right now. People are celebrating. Patty, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Patty. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. This is literally like every fire truck in the metro area is here. After wrapping up with Patty, Bree, and I, and our brand new producer, Aaron O'Toole, who's joining us just this week and who we'll introduce on the show properly soon, walked over to 13th and Broadway in time to catch the back half of the Stanley Cup parade. It was so great, you guys. It was so much fun. I definitely feel this collective pride. Yeah. See a lot of playoff beards. You shaved yeah. yours, Paul. I did. I shaved mine. I've been waiting for someone to notice. <laughs> oh, you did. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Uh, looks like some East High School Angels state hockey champions this year. Oh, cool. That's right. Oh, that's so cute. Oh, and some University of Denver players on this fire truck. They also won a championship Woo. this season. Wow. Imagine being in high school and having the whole city turn out to cheer on a parade cool. you're a part of. That'd be, be pretty cool. Ooh, 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 you got, okay, so this trophy, that's Kale McCarr. Oh, that's Kale. Okay, Who, who's, he got who's the touching most it? MVP? Did this he, is, is, this is the MVP, MVP trophy, trophy, the Conn Smythe. That's our star defenseman, Kale McCarr. He's won every trophy you can win. Yep, they're chanting for him. He's raising yeah! it up. Incredible. So is the cup supposed to be on one of these trucks? Or are we going to see it go by? I hope so. If it's not already at Civic Center. Oh, oh my god, the Zamboni. They're driving the Zamboni through the parade. <laughs> of course. The Zambonis have to Those be at the parade. Those guys are like, this is the best day of my life <laughs> to drive my Zamboni through hey, downtown they, Denver. They played their part. They played Absolutely. their part in this. They deserve it. The unsung heroes of hockey. The Zamboni drivers. All right, we're on the move towards Civic Center Park. Hard to tell if there's more parade left or where the cup is. <laughs> but we got to see it. We, we got to try. Uh, which way should we go? Oh, boy. Oh, God. Bree, Aaron, who's the hunkiest avalanche player? The MVP had nice legs. <laughs> he was like standing on the fire truck and I was like, well, I guess you do have to have nice legs to skate all the time. Mm -hmm. What's his name? Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr, he's pretty cute. I'd go with him. All right, Kale McCarr. All right, question number two. What was question number two? Uh, oh, oh, what would you do with, 
Yeah, so when when they win, each player gets to take the cup for a couple days, take it wherever they want in the world, it's theirs. Some people have drowned in swimming pools, some have taken it to strip clubs. Aaron, Bree, what would you do with the cup for a day? I'd take it to Lakeside and take it on the Cyclone coaster. And then I'd maybe drink just like a fountain Coke out of it. Love it, love it. Aaron? I think I wanna take it to Estes Park and take it to the Stanley Hotel. Just see what happens. If it's possessed and it unlocks something within the Stanley Hotel. The Stanley Cup goes to the Stanley. I like it. You'd think something <laughs> supernatural would happen. It could summon great NHL heroes from the past. Yes. Let's all name a few of our favorites together. I'm kidding. Patrick we don't Waugh. Know. Um, the guy Joe in Canada. <laughs> Forsberg. Forsberg. Wayne Gretzky. And then finally, does this championship change your opinion about the Comcast altitude dispute that's kept Avs regular season games off TVs in it Denver? It should make everyone so mad. Yeah. Look what we, how much we care. The streets were full of people so proud to be Avs fans, and we can't. We have to pirate our Avs. We have yeah. to pirate our Avs games. How are you supposed to feel like you are a part of this championship if you haven't been able to be a part Watch of it? Watch it. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Figure it out, you old rich bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, now they're just throwing beers at fire trucks. And they're exploding. So this is Av's uh, goal scoring winger, Miko Ranton, and trying to catch beers. Oh, is that who that is? Yes. He was one of their leading scorers in the regular season. He has yet to catch a single beer thrown from the crowd. Now they haven't been great throws. They're mostly hitting the side of the truck. Oh, he got oh, one. Oh, oh, oh. He's excited. I can't believe what I just saw. That was an amazing catch. Is that Sackick? I think that's our general manager, oh, Joe Sackick. I think Sackic. it is, because I think that's one of his, is either his wife or his daughter. That guy, what a hero to this franchise. I mean, he captained the team, the two Stanley Cups in 96 and 2001. I can't believe Joe Sackick's not wearing his jersey. He's tired of the attention. I know. It's tough being Joe Sackick. Aww. I love this. This feels great. I know. There's a, awesome. a, a guy walking down the sidewalk holding Aww, a little baby. one-year-old baby. Can you imagine being here? Oh. Hi. Hi. I think we should probably start talking about making the official CityCast Denver crowd size estimate at some point. Oh, God. I have no clue. 200,000? I know they were saying 200,000. What does it look like to you, Aaron? Let's see, one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> 200,000. Um, I'm going to guesstimate 80,000 on this street alone, and that's very scientific. Oh, wait a second. Holy shnikes. Wait a second. What? Look who's coming up here on this. Is Should we get up cup? closer? Is that the cup? Is, it, is that the cup? That's the cup. What? Oh, my God. I got to get a video of this. Yes. There's a superstition in hockey that if you have the opportunity to touch the Stanley Cup, you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't touch it until you win it. 
So for these players, when they're lifting it over their heads and when they're kissing it, it's the culmination of a whole lifetime thinking about this, dreaming about this. They're finally... I can't Who's believe that? I'm here to witness it. That's our that's our our best player, Nathan McKinnon, holding it right now. He looks so happy. Standing with Landis Cog and Eric Johnson. These are guys who've been on the roster since 2017, 2018, when the team was worse in the league. This has got to feel incredible for them. Amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. That was the real deal. <laughs> that's a good-looking trophy. And that's all for the week here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were me, Paul Caroli, Aaron O'Toole, and Carly Jones. Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter. Bree Davies is our host. Our music is by Los Mocochetes with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. Plus more this week from the Epidemic Sound Library and the band All the Kimonos. Hope you all have a happy 4th of July weekend. Stay safe out there. Watch out for flying beer cans. It's probably just hockey fans. You know how they are. We're taking a day off, so look for us in your feeds on Tuesday morning. And don't forget to sign up for our daily newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. Bye.